0: Tonight, we're going to talk about when grief feels long and joy feels short. And like I said, I want to promise you fairies and rainbows, but this is real life, not fantasy. And so real life has joy in these beautiful, beautiful moments of joy. Any parent of a newborn can testify to the fact that there are moments of vivid joy However, what every new parent might not always share except their sleepy eyes tell the story is that there are sleepless nights and hours and hours of crying and midnight feedings and diaper changes and really, really, really hard work that we do for those moments of joy. And in life, a lot of times that's true. You're putting in a lot of hard work. You're taking care of yourself and then you go on vacation, right? Right. And so many times in seasons where we're grieving or we experience loss, there are these vivid, beautiful, bright moments of joy, but they're such a stark contrast to the grief and the sorrow and the sadness that we feel and sometimes the loneliness. And I'd be doing a disservice to you if I didn't talk about this part of it because people tell victims of domestic violence all the time just to get out. But I think that sometimes when you've been a victim of domestic violence, you have this greater knowledge of the practicality of life, of struggle, of how hard it can really be because you've already been dealing with so much sad for so long. And part of you knows that leaving your abusive partner is not going to solve every problem that you have. And so it's not as easy as people make it sound to leave sometimes because There's no easy solutions or answers. There's no easy way out. But the way out is worth it. Those brief moments of joy start to become longer and better and stronger than ever. But it takes time. And that's what we're going to talk about. Because in that interim, in that hard time, if you're preparing to leave or you've already left, you know, like I've said before, always have a backup plan. Contact the Domestic Violence Hotline. It's a safe way to always have a plan B Everybody knows it always, 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 always helps to have a backup plan. Or you could be like the A-team and have like 15 backup plans, okay? But it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt to be able to share your feelings and your honest thoughts about what's happening to you, and it doesn't hurt to have a backup plan. So I do encourage you to do that so that if and when you are ever ready to leave, that you have a way to get out safely, okay? But this podcast is not about pressuring you to leave. This is about equipping you and strengthening you as a person in the hope that Should you choose to leave, you'll have the empowerment that you need to do that successfully and to stay free because you already have all that inner strength and fortitude built up over time. And if you're already gone, this is to help build you up because we all know that can be hell. And so we're all working through it. We're trying to get through it. We're making progress, but some days are hard and some days are harder than hard um I really sometimes like jam out hardcore to that country song that's like if you're going through hell keep on going yeah because um you do kind of want to just stop and like throw your hands up and drop to your knees and throw a pity party which I've I've done a few times if we're being honest here we're being honest right um but you can't stay there so there are going to be times you drop to your knees there's going to be times like I just talked about heaven's fallacy where you're looking at the unfairness of the all and you were crying out I, mean, I would cry out to God and be like this is so dumb this is so unfair i am so over this okay so wherever you're at you might have these moments of unfairness where heaven's fallacy is playing a large role and you're experiencing so many consequences and the person who hurt you is getting off scot-free and everyone likes them and everyone gets along with them and everyone thinks they're so freaking amazing and <laughs> you know what they're like behind closed doors and it's a hard truth that it happens it's not magical. People try to make it sound like, oh, if you leave your abuser, everything will be magical. It's 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 magical in its own way because it's beautiful watching your transformation going from someone who's timid and beaten down and reserved to someone who's bold and courageous and strong. But it's never easy. Easy is never, ever, 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 ever what I would associate with leaving a domestic violence partner. Right? Ever, ever, ever. And so we're kind of in this together, guys. And so... <laughs> I was trying to get everyone to work with me because I was filling in and I was like, hey guys, teamwork makes the dream work. And I know it sounds so cheesy, but I tell my kids all the time, we're a team, we're a family, we work together. And so since I can't be there with you in person right now, this is my way of reaching out and trying to connect with you to let you know that you're not alone this way. And so when you're grieving and you're hurting, it's long. And they talk about the stages of grief. And I think one of the smartest things that they ever said about that was that you bounce back and forth. That there's no set stage to stage to stage process. You might run through those things 15 times and you might run through them all out of order every single time. Sometimes more, sometimes less. It depends on what you're grieving. And honestly, it's not just what or who you're grieving. It's how much of an effect it has on your life once they're gone. Because you're going to have those moments where you feel where you feel the loss more keenly than others. You know, for me, there are times when I get really overwhelmed that I grieve the loss of that relationship with my grandparents more because I'm overwhelmed. You get what I'm saying, like I hit that moment where I'm like, I wish I could just call them up and talk about it. Or I wish I could just be like, hey, do you want to keep the kids for a few hours tonight? I'm overwhelmed and I just need some time to catch up. And instead I just stare at my counter full and my dish area full and my sink full and my, well my stove's not full but I mean it's getting close, okay, with your hands. and uh, and I look at it and I found marker in the carpet I don't even want to talk about it, I'm so mad about it still, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it and I'm looking at the paperwork that I don't have filed and all the work that I have to do to get ready for school and all the things I have to do for my kids and I feel overwhelmed and it's at these moments when I be able to reach out and I want to be like, hey where you reach out for your support system and you reach out for the people that are supposed to love you, that I feel that loss of all of those people more keenly than other times. And I grieve more deeply during those times than others. Yeah, there's times I'm having a good moment, um, but I've been pretty proactive about looking for healthy relationships with different people for enjoying and sharing my good times with. It's when things are hard... And you most long for comfort that you miss the people or the things that you've lost the most. And I wish I could tell you, you won't miss people because that would be so nice. Wouldn't it be so nice? But the truth is your abuser is generally very charismatic, very charming, very good at getting people to like them. They only ever show other people the best of them and they use you as this emotional verbal, physical punching bag to take out all of their negative emotions because they don't handle their emotions. They're generally worse than children with emotions. Okay? They have no self-control. They have just enough to keep it under wraps around other people and then they unload on their victim. And so because other people don't get to see that ugly side of them, they don't ever see how awful they are, other people generally like your abuser other people think they're great, other people want them to volunteer at church, and other people want them to help them out with things, and be there for them, and be their friend and other people just freaking like them and it sucks, because the people that like them become easy fodder for them to use for your abuser to use against you okay, like the relationship with my grandparents guys, I don't I even like talking about it still, and I'm like, oh I'm over it but I know I'm not entirely over it Um, I'm at the place where I'm comfortable not ever having that relationship again but sometimes I still feel that loss okay that sadness that grief um but I am in a place where let's say it just say it just the other weekend I found out from my sister that she had been over at my grandparents and the kids have been dropped off there and the truth is that my ex's mom dropped the kids off at my grandparents And they do that because now my ex and my grandparents have this great relationship where he takes them over there every single time he comes. And they go to church together where probably all the church people, okay, this is the petty part of me. She's coming out. I'm sorry. I'm apologizing in advance, but it's there. And I'm not going to pretend to only have positive emotions and give you some fake sense of this is what could be. Because the truth is we all have all the emotions, the good, the bad, and the ugly, okay? And you give a voice to all those emotions because it's healthy. You just don't get stuck there and so the petty part of me is like yeah all those people at church that didn't want to talk to me and treated me like a pry and treated me like i had some kind of contagious disease before the pandemic even hit they probably welcome him they probably smile at him they shake his hand they engage with him in a way that they never did with me people probably have no issue accepting him and talking to him and loving on him and he goes in with my grandparents giving this big freaking stamp of approval how amazing they think he is and how much he's the victim And then maybe none of this is happening, but my instincts are pretty great. And that's what my instincts say. And the petty part of me is like, yeah, he probably has all of this welcome and and acceptance and good freaking times when I tried it and I was so dang lonely and people didn't want to talk to me and people didn't want to offer me comfort. My grandparents didn't want to stop bringing someone who molested children of my children. Okay, so I had to deal with all of that crap and I am literally so sick of it. I hate hearing it, I hate when he posts videos on Facebook of him and my grandparents and my kids there, and even though I've repeatedly voiced that I don't want my children around them until they can admit and legitimately agree to not ever having someone around who loves the children and admit that it's wrong, I get no say so, because he's manipulated them, they're using him, he's using them, it's some weird, toxic, awful relationship where... They get to enjoy the benefit of other people liking them and thinking they're great, of my kids going over there, and I don't trash talk people to my kids. I'll tell them things that are true in a balanced and healthy way that's kind to a child's mind because it's really hard sometimes not to take your frustration with your abuser and transfer that in communication to your children. So that's something you have to constantly watch because it's tough when you're dealing with someone who has no issue manipulating your children at all. You know, or like your ex who tells your eight-year-old, that if you got a boyfriend after you've been separated for over two years and you filed for divorce and he's hired a lawyer, that if you get a boyfriend, you're cheating. That's like, that's a fun one, okay? That's a super fun one. I didn't enjoy that conversation at all. And when they blurted out at the Mexican restaurant, and I'm pretty sure that everyone on either booth side of us could hear us. And I had to have this whole conversation, whole conversation about how when I've been gone for two years and I filed for divorce, And I push for divorce, that it's not cheating. Yeah. I'm sure the people just loved hearing it. I was just feeling so freaking embarrassed. And I had to sit there like a calm person. Like I wasn't shocked to my core. Like I wasn't so, so, so pissed that my ex had the audacity to have that conversation with my children. Um, I had to just talk it out with truth but also keeping in mind that they are children. So I wouldn't have brought that up for Jack at all with my kids because it's not generally an age-appropriate conversation and I don't even freaking have a boyfriend. So did I for a second like look at my son and be like, listen, if I had a boyfriend, I'd be getting kissed and hugged and cuddled all the time and it would be amazing and he would buy me dinner? Heck yes, I did. But then I shut that down because you can't bring too much of your petty to your kids. So, instead, I tell them that if people are married and they're trying to work it out, then yes, it's wrong to get a boyfriend or girlfriend. Okay? If people are separated, but their intention is to work it out, then sometimes it's definitely wrong to still get a boyfriend or girlfriend. But if people are filing for divorce, and they've been gone for two years, it's no longer cheating if I get a boyfriend. <laughs> uh, yeah. That'll happen. That'll happen. That's just, like, a little side, little side piece there for you guys, okay? Um... So, you know, conversations I have with my kids, I have to tell my kids like, "Listen, if my grandparents ever bring this person around, they are supposed to call me and let me know." I repeatedly told my ex and <clears throat> when I found my children had been over there and I texted my ex because I wasn't even there, obviously, um that it wasn't okay to drop the kids off without ensuring that they were safe and that that person was not going to be there. Now, he didn't show up, but you always take precautions. I don't ever take any risk with people that have ever been involved in any type of child molestation because i feel like those people have a hard time stopping very rarely do they ever stop research shows that they have the highest recidivism rate out of anything and so when i told him that it was wrong or that he needed i didn't say it was wrong because that'll just get it going right you know how it goes so when i told me he need to take responsibility and ensure that they were safe he legitimately sent me a text message that said i rebuke you michaela because spiritual abuse, because that's still apparently a thing. Yes, yeah, separated for two years and I still get crap like that. And um, I had to have that whole conversation, like leading back to everything. I'd have that conversation because he has a relationship with my grandparents, because I told my grandparents we couldn't have a relationship if they didn't stop bringing someone who had molested children around my kids. Do you get how twisted that is? why it pisses me off why it's so dang hard and crazy stuff happens and I I remember when I laughed and I just assumed that people would want to help and that they would automatically want to hold my ex accountable and that they would understand that it was toxic and abusive and it would be wonderful and I would be surrounded by arms of love and support And instead, I entered one of the loneliest seasons of my life where I have grieved for a long time. So I have to have conversations like that. Find out my kids are somewhere where I prefer that they're not because it's his weekend to have them. Watch videos on Facebook where my ex is there celebrating some party and videotaping it. And my grandparents are just so happy that he's there. And then over here, I single mom it. And I try to figure out how the heck... I'm going to juggle everything that I have going on in school and work and kids in my house. Oh my goodness, my house, okay? And it's hard, but it's worth it. Maybe I need to say that more often. It's incredibly difficult, but it's so worth it. I look around my house sometimes and I think, dang, I need to clean some stuff up and organize, but it's my house. This is a safe place for me. I get to feel warm and welcome and comfortable here. And it's a safe place to grieve. So when I have these mixed emotions, when I'm losing out on relationships that I thought I could count on, when I'm dealing with the after effects and fallouts of leaving my abusive ex, I get to enjoy a sense of peace and safety here that I couldn't find anywhere else. And uh, that's the thing about being with an abuser, right? You never feel safe. You can never let your guard down. You can never relax. You're always worried about what they're going to say or what they're going to do to you. And you're always at fault. And here I get to just be me. Just be. If I can shut out the house, right? That's the challenge. But honestly, I needed a safe place to grieve. I lost and I lost and I lost. And then there are weeks like this week where it is so far in the past. I just want to say, hey, I don't have to grieve anymore. I'm living a great life. I've made friends. I have been... Successful at school that I've tried to do. It's been crazy hard. I have a home. My kids are fed and well taken care of. We're doing good, right? And so I think I have made it without these relationships. I don't have to have them. But at the same time, that's the funny thing about grief. You can be 100% rational, and grief will be like, but it still hurts. And so there are weeks like last week when until I was up until what, like 2 a.m. multiple nights. Staying up late trying to finish up this classwork for this class, staying up late to learn new things for work so that I could help out in the office this week, and then taking care of my kids who, like, look at all these fun things and all of these awesome conversations we get to have, right? In weeks like this where I think, ah, I wish I could reach out to someone that would be there to help me, and my grandparents originally would have filled that role. Like, I have to accept hands down. They would have been the ones that I would have called, and that my grandma was... My best friend, she was the maid of honor at my wedding because we were so close. And me having to accept now that because I drew a really, really healthy, safe boundary in the sand, I don't have that relationship anymore. She gets to have my kids because my ex brings them over. She gets to pat him on the back and make him look good to all of the people that rejected me when I left. He gets to take them over there and they pretend to all have this great time. And I'm here by myself being a single mom trying to make it work without a break. You understand what I'm saying? It's it's hard. Now, this is the kicker. Do I regret any of it? No, I regret none of it. If I could go back, I would do it all over again. Though the loss and the grief are hard, and there's a lot of just heartbreaking emotions that overwhelm you, I would not change a thing. I would still go back and grow into the woman that I've become, go through this like cocoon of metamorphosis where I went through so much pressure and so much hell in my life, and I would grieve all the things that I would have to grieve all over again. Lose the relationships that I lost that have the freedom that I have them. Freedom knowing that when I do have my kids, I'm not taking them over there and I can rest knowing that they're safe, right? That I am checking people out and vetting them before I let them around them. I would accept the grief of losing all of these people that I thought were my friends because the truth is they weren't really my friends anyway. Not truly if I went through the hardest thing and they weren't there. I can come to a place of acceptance. And in that acceptance, it gets easier and easier and easier to choose and to see your joy. It's hard because the grief is long. And the process takes a while And different things like comments or videos or even sometimes Facebook memories can throw you back you back to a time where you thought that you had something, even acceptance that your relationship is abusive. You grieve the loss of everything that you dreamed that you would be together, of the life plans that you had, of all of the things that you wanted, of all the ways you weaved your life into theirs, and now you're stuck with ashes. It's a long, hard process, but it's worth it. Because I don't think that the joy that we experience when we're with people that don't genuinely care for us is truly joy at all. I wonder sometimes if in our hearts we know that those people are not sincere in their love for us, that some part of us knows we're not entirely safe with them, but we want love and we want that affection. We want that relationship so bad that we push and push and push just to have it. And I think looking back, sometimes I can see where I did that. I can see where I just wanted love and to give love and to receive love so very much that I just ignored all the warning signs that it wasn't a good relationship I ignored everything that said that there were going to be issues down the road and not every relationship is going to be perfect but there's a huge difference between manipulative controlling relationships and loving and respectful relationships if you can learn to accept the grief is a long process if you can learn to accept your grief and accept that there is loss then you get to enjoy the joy because those sad feelings will pass and be gone the pain of losing what you thought that you needed will clear and heal and you'll start to see that those people were never who you needed anyway and you will come to a place of pristine and beautiful crystallized joy and it will happen one small moment at a time as you embrace your freedom, as you start moving forward, as you make choices that are better for you and if you have kids for your kids, and your future will get brighter and brighter and brighter with every step. And one day, one day, my friend, we will be walking in freedom and we will have a brief melancholy memory of a time that we were so sad. And that's all it will be. And we'll smile... And we'll forget about the past and move on. So even though grief feels long and joy feels short, this moment, this time will eventually become a memory. You will no longer be alone. You'll have healthy... um, Healthy? (laughs) I feel like that should be a word, right? Trying to say happy and healthy all at the same time, and that is not the first time I've done it today. Um, You'll be healthy, okay? And... You'll smile, and you will feel good again. Because that's the lie that abusers use, is that you'll never find someone to love, you, you'll never be happy, you'll never accomplish anything, you'll never, ever, ever. But the truth is, when you break free of that dead weight, and you embrace your freedom, and you do what you have been made to do, to fly, to enjoy your life, to smile again, you'll know, and you will be happy. Just give it time. And when you're in the season like I'm in, when the grief is long and the joy is short, let yourself cry the tears. Allow yourself the space to grieve the loss of those relationships if you've lost them. And embrace the joy that you feel over the smallest moments. And one day, you'll be that person looking back with a smile on your face, knowing that that's nothing but a long forgotten memory. All right, that's it for tonight um sorry it's a little more serious but at the same time I think it's important so that's it for tonight and I'll talk to you guys soon